I want to uh, say it's great to gather together for church today and we want you to know that you are so welcome. I guess especially we want to welcome visitors who are joining us from a bit further afield. Last week we had guests joining us from Italy, from Bangladesh, from Kosovo, from America, from Canada and even a few people from around Newcastle up north. So that's a, a proper widespread. I want to encourage you to stick around afterwards and connect with others. We've got some virtual tables so we can have coffee together and you'll hear a bit more about how you can do that later. If you're a regular at THCC or if you're uh, just joining us for the first time, I want to uh, just remind you of our life groups. They're ways that we connect together as church in smaller groups. At the moment, they're having to all be done online. And uh, these are going to be really important as we move forward. If you're not part of a life group at the moment and you'd like to be, please do contact the church office because we'd love to connect you with others, particularly at this time. We're going to be reading now from Luke chapter 22, verses 39 to 45. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. We're heading in towards Easter now and as planned, our services will look uh, forward to the time of Easter. As Christians, we celebrate Easter as the hope that we have. It's a reminder of the fact that Jesus has risen from the grave. Christian hope is centered on the resurrection of Jesus. And the wonderful truth is that the resurrection of Jesus changes absolutely everything. The power of sin, of death, of darkness, of the brokenness of this world has been broken. Jesus' resurrection changes everything. Jesus' resurrection brings new life. It means that we can be free. We can be forgiven. We can know the certainty of joy in this life and the promise, the hope of eternal life with Jesus in the age to come. The power of death has been broken. Before we come to the resurrection, though, we go through the cross and we see in the run-up, to his crucifixion, the desire that Jesus had to be firstly with his friends. As Jesus prepared for the cross, as we see in the gospel accounts, he celebrated a meal with friends. He broke bread with them. He shared his heart with them. He washed their feet. But also we see that Jesus had a desire to be with his heavenly father. Jesus wanted to be with the Father. Today, we're going to focus on some prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus seeking the Father in prayer. 
we see that he goes to pray along with his close friends, Peter and James and John. And we see that combination of seeking the Father, but also being with his friends. In the midst of agony, Jesus finds a place of prayer. Verse 39 says to us, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. Here we see that as Jesus is facing the agony of the cross, he knew that he would take upon himself the punishment of your sin and my sin. He knew that he would face beatings, that he would be rejected by men. But even deeper than that was the fact that he would face the wrath of God over our sin. In other words, God would pour out all of his wrath and anger over all of the wrong things we have done. And he would put the punishment of that onto his son, Jesus. And that's what Jesus was facing. And in the midst of that, Jesus finds a place of prayer. Notice here that it says that Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Other gospel writers give us more detail on this and they specify that it was the Garden of Gethsemane. I just want you to think about how interesting it was that just as Adam and Eve chose sin in a garden, Jesus chose obedience. Jesus, the second Adam, chose obedience in a garden. I want us to see the wording here. It says that Jesus went there as usual. Jesus maintained a regular pattern of prayer that was not disturbed, even in the face of the unimaginable suffering that he would face. In fact, we see, if anything, his intensity and his desire to pray was increased. You know, it's really important that we realise that for each of us, we need to make sure that even in the times that we find ourselves in, which feel pretty unprecedented, times of potentially anxiety, fear, pain, for some of us even potentially loss, that we do not allow these things to steal away from us in terms of coming to God in prayer, knowing that we come to a God who loves us and gave his son to die for us. The last few months we've been going through the book of Philippians and a few weeks ago we saw in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 and 7 it says this, it says, do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I want you to have a confidence that even in the difficulties you face, let's be honest and clear, we are not the same as Jesus and we are not facing what Jesus is facing. But we can learn from what he experienced and what he faced. During this time when we may feel more physically distant from one another. We can feel isolated, alone. Maybe some of those feelings that Jesus felt in the garden. I want to encourage us to prioritise our prayer. 
You know, communal times of prayer are good. They're important when we come together with others to pray. And we're going to work really hard to make sure there are ways we can continue to pray together as church. But those things should never, ever be a substitute for that solitary place of prayer, that place of coming before God the Father, coming through his son Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and truly communing with the living God in prayer. I want to say when you feel burdened, anxious, grieved, broken, bring those things to God. Jesus doesn't just tell us what to do. He is our example. You know, over these past few weeks, as we've been through what we've been through and we've experienced different emotions, I've at times felt anxious. And during those times, I have learned more powerfully than ever what it is to pour my heart out to God. I have learned just the importance of even when feeling anxious, even when feeling a little bit overwhelmed, the need to come to God the Father in prayer and to pour my heart out to him, to find encouragement and comfort in God. Not to pretend that I'm not feeling that way, but rather to share those things with God. You know, this situation has brought in my life a greater depth of prayer, a greater reality to my prayer life. I think it's really improved the way that Annie and I, we pray together. Jesus' desire in the middle of being alone, in the middle of feeling pain, despair, potentially in the middle of the, the, the great things that he was facing, knowing that he would go to the cross alone and in that sense be separated from God the Father. He knew his need to fellowship and commune with God the Father in the garden. I want to pray that each of us know what it is to experience an increased desire to pray during this time. Just now we're going to hear a little bit from Nazneen about how when she went through a difficult time and went through cancer last year and chemotherapy, some of the ways that she grew closer to God and grew more dependent upon prayer. Good morning, church. My name is Nasnin. Today I'm going to share that how God helped me when I was in trouble. In 2018, October, I had been diagnosed that I have cancer. It was very shocking for me and Nixon. But we have decided that we need to fight with it together by getting God's help. So we share our situation with Tower Hamlet Community Church and I saw all of my church people, my family and Bengali Christian Fellowship came together to encourage me and Nixon. However, inside me, I always had questioned why these things happened to me. Sometimes I felt that I need to cry loudly, but I couldn't. I couldn't because I thought that if I do this in front of Nixon, then he will be upset too. 
So I have decided that I have to be positive all the time. And during this time, during the daytime when, while Nixon was at work, I had plenty of time for myself. I started to watch devotional videos because at some point I couldn't pray, even couldn't say any word, just cry and ask God why, why and why. One day, one of the verse from devotional video just stayed in my mind, which was Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I have read this verse before several times, but it never touched my heart like that. So I started to read Bible each day because I realized that I can get all my answer from Bible. One day, I read John chapter 9, verse 1 to 4, which says, As he went alone, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened to that so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Praise the Lord. I was so uplifted by this verse. This verse gave me power to have strong faith in God and rejoice him all the time. So each day, I have opportunity to spend my time with God and know him more and more. Another day, I was reading Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1 to 2 says, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have shamaned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Again, these words make me to understand when we walk through the darkness, God never ever leaves us alone. He is also walk with us. Amen. Thank you for listening my testimony. Secondly, I want us to see that Jesus was strengthened in prayer. In verse 42 to 44, we read, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. I want us to really see and understand some things about how Jesus prayed. Firstly, we need to see that he addressed God as his father. He knew God as his father 
and prayed from that place. He knew the position of being a son. You know, the place of prayer that we have as Christians, of children, as children of God, is a beautiful one. We have been adopted by him. He calls us sons and daughters. But it's also not just a beautiful one, but an extremely privileged one. We don't just pray as God's workers or associates. We don't just pray uh, as if we are distant from God, but we pray from a position of influence. We pray as children. We have family knowledge and family privileges. As my father got older and he was diabetic, he wasn't supposed to eat chocolate, uh, but he loved, particularly at Christmas time, the tins of roses. And uh, often it would get to the point where everybody would say, right, dad, you're not allowed any chocolates. And yet sometimes he would go and find Annie and he would say, can I have a chocolate? Can I have a chocolate? And, you know, she loved him so much and loved him as a dad that family privileges kicked in and she would give in and give him chocolates. And why? Because of the family connection. You know, when we pray, we pray as God's children. We don't just pray as those who are distant from him. I really want to encourage you. Jesus knew the closeness addressing God as Abba, as Father. We too can know that closeness in this time and season. I really pray that you would know God as Father, that your prayer would be inspired and motivated. It would be strengthened through knowing God as Father. Do you know, you can pray confidently because you know that you are praying to a loving Heavenly Father, a Heavenly Father who loves you and knows what is really the very, very best for you. Trust God as your Father and pray from that place. But also, coming out of Jesus' relationship with God the Father was he prayed, not my will, but yours. Jesus wanted obedience to the Father more than he wanted anything else. Jesus wanted obedience to the Father enough to go to the cross and to face the suffering that it involved. In this dialogue here where Jesus says, not my will, but yours, this isn't Jesus rebelling against God. Rather, this is Jesus' obedience demonstrated in the face of unimaginable and terrible suffering and the idea of being separated from his father because of our sin. He is saying, God, the father, my desire in life more than anything else is to be faithful and obedient to you as your son. You know, we can learn from this prayer, that heart, we need, to, in one sense, to keep coming before God and to keep saying, God, not my will, but yours. God, not what I want, but what you want. One of the great realizations that we have as Christians is it's not about me. It's not about you. In all we go through, we are called to a radical sense of obedience to God, knowing and trusting that he is good and he knows what's best, knowing 
that he is in charge, knowing that even when the future seems uncertain, he is in control and we can trust in his good provision towards us. I believe that in the difficulties and uncertainties we face in these coming days, this whole situation will be radically transformed if we learn to regularly pray, God, not my will, but yours. Fundamentally, the battle in our Christian lives is one of obedience. Will we be obedient to God? That will look very different to each one of us. We all struggle with different things. We're faced with different challenges, different areas of our lives where we struggle with obedience. I was very struck by this story I heard just yesterday of Giuseppe Berardelli. I've probably, uh, to our Italian guests, uh, uh, please forgive me for uh, violating the guy's name. But um, it's an incredible story that's coming out of Italy of this Catholic priest who was so loved by his congregation. I think they bought a ventilator for him because he was ill. And yet somewhere in the midst of his illness, when he's really suffering and close to death, he felt challenged about what God was asking of him. And he gave his ventilator away to somebody younger, somebody he didn't even know. But he had a confidence in God. And because of that, he ended up dying. But in doing so, he offered somebody the chance of life. Now, I'm not saying by any sense that's what we should all do. And I'm certainly not claiming that's what I would do in this situation. But it challenges me that somebody living for something bigger, a bigger course, they have a bigger glimpse of who God is. You know, just this morning, Annie was talking with our Muslim friend over the garden fence, and he mentioned to her that he had heard about this Catholic priest, and he was so impacted by it, and he wanted to start a conversation with her over the fence, about this tremendous sacrifice by this priest. We can have a confidence in God and we need to be praying, God, not my will, but yours. By being obedient, even to the point of the cross, Jesus knew that he would be separated from God because he would be punished for our sins. Jesus was willing to be alone so that we would never, ever, ever have to be. The truth is that because Jesus faced the cross, we can never be separated. The Bible reminds us that nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God because Jesus chose obedience in the garden. Because Jesus chose to go to the cross, we can never be separated from God. Isn't that an amazing thought? Right now, we may be physically distant from one another, but we can never be separated from God. You may feel lonely, but brothers and sisters, you are never alone. We may, may, may be more physically distant from one another, but because we are part of the body of Christ, we remain connected and united. Through his prayer, we see that Jesus was encouraged. 
For me, this is one of the most remarkable pieces of scripture. God sent an angel to encourage Jesus and he prayed all the more fervently because of it. You know, as the son sought the father in obedience, as he poured out his heart, as he said, God, not your, not my will, but yours be done. God the Father sent encouragement to the Son. We see that even in the midst of the anguish of sweating drops of blood, this passage tells us, Jesus' heart was strengthened. How much more can we know that our hearts can be strengthened. Hebrews talks about having our hearts strengthened by grace. Whatever you face, know that God will encourage and strengthen you as you pour your heart out to him. Jesus, our great high priest who identifies us with us in our suffering, who endured the cross, he gives us all that we need and he will strengthen us. God wants to strengthen you. He will do it himself. He will do it through the Holy Spirit at work in us. He will do it through his word as it speaks to and ministers and encourages us. But he will also do it through the body of Christ, through others. And I want to encourage you, be an encourager to others. Be somebody who strengthens them and literally speaks courage into their hearts. One of the facts of the crucifixion, and we see it in one sense in a microcosm in this piece of scripture, is that Jesus was alone. I mentioned at the start that Jesus brought his friends with him, a couple of his closest friends. And as he knelt down to pray just a, a few feet away from them, they'd given up. And they'd fallen asleep. And the other gospel accounts uh, make the point that that happened three times. Jesus was let down by those close to him. You know, there are times when we might feel alone. There are times that we may even feel let down by others. In those times, God is near. Jesus is near. He is as near as his name. I want to encourage him, when you feel let down, isolated, lonely, call out to Jesus. He is as near as his name. And then thirdly, Jesus wants to encourage us. You know, one of the things that this passage teaches us is that the disciples missed out on a prime opportunity to pray. The disciples were asleep. When they should have been praying. You know, it's quite natural really when you think about it. Sometimes I think we think quite harshly about the disciples because we have the benefit of uh, hindsight. But you know, it's very natural when you're feeling overwhelmed and stressed just to want to sleep. And I'm sure that they were aware of some of what was about to happen. And they were tired and they slept. But Jesus challenges them as they face the future to be on the guard against temptation. He wants them to be ready and he asks them to watch and to pray. Jesus wants them to be on their guard. He wants them praying. 
you know, the biggest blessing that any of us may find or experience in this time of difficulty, even through times of physical isolation, is that it brings us closer to God in prayer. I want to say to you, don't miss out on this moment, on this opportunity, on this time to grow your prayer life, to see your intimacy with God increase because you come to know him in greater measure through his word, the Bible, through the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, through the body of Christ, but most importantly that you come closer to him in intimacy, in prayer. You know, we can come closer to God through praying together. And I really want to remind you and encourage you that as a church, we're asking where possible if 8 a.m. in the morning or 8 p.m. in the evening or both depends on your how your life is and timetable. Take those times just to pause for a few minutes and to pray. It will make a great difference to the world in which we live. It will make a great difference to our circumstances but it will grow your heart it will help you to live closer to God as you come to know him more and we can do that uh, together at 8 a.m and 8 p.m but also don't neglect personal prayer whilst the disciples were sleeping Jesus was encouraged by the angel but then prayed all the more fervently through any difficulty through discouragement Keep pouring your heart out to God. Keep praying fervently. Keep growing closer to him. But also, I want to particularly speak maybe to those of us who don't know Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. Why would Jesus go through the anguish he went through? Why would he literally face separation from God because of our sin? Why would he go through the anguish of sweating drops of blood? But, and just a, a few days later, he would literally fa face his blood being shed, his body broken, despised, rejected. Why would he do that? Because God the Father loved us enough to send his son. Because his son Jesus loved us enough to go to the cross and die for us. Because God was powerful enough to raise Jesus from the dead. Jesus faced the agony of the cross. But why? Why the cross? Jesus died on the cross because of our sin, your sin and mine. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, I really want you to give me your best ear here. This is so, so important. Jesus died on a cross for our sin. You see, sin is all the wrong things that we do. It's all the way that we live selfishly. It's all the way that we live contrary to how God wants us to live. And it doesn't take any work to sin. It comes naturally to us. We're born into sin. And Jesus died to deal with the problem of our sin because our sin separates us from God. Because God is holy and God is is perfect and our sin deserves to be punished the bible tells us that the wages of sin is death each of us deserve to be punished for our sin we deserve to go to a lost eternity in hell but the wonderful truth is even though the the wages of sin is get death the free 
gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. In other words, we can't earn it. It's a free gift. We can simply receive it. How do we receive it? By putting our trust in Jesus. It means believing that nothing we can do can make ourselves acceptable to God. And so we know that we have to trust in what Jesus has done. That on the cross, all the punishment for my sin and your sin was put onto Jesus. And that means if we put our faith in him, if we admit our sin, if we believe that he was the son of God and died for us, and we confess him as the Lord, the boss of our life, we hand over control of our lives to him, we can be assured of two things, joy and peace in this life. And secondly, an eternity, life everlasting, life abundant, spent with him. I want to say to you, trust in Jesus today. Don't put it off. It is the most important decision you will ever make. Jesus died on a cross so that we might have life. Don't waste a moment. Take this time to respond. We're going to pause for just a few seconds and I'm going to pray in a moment. So just maybe bow your head where you are and let's just take a moment. Let's take a moment. Let's take a moment. Father, I want to pray that you would speak into each one of our lives now, that your spirit would be at work convicting us of sin and revealing Jesus as your saviour. You know, if you're stirred by the things that I've said today, if you know that in your heart you feel convicted of sin, that you know that you need Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, I'm going to ask you to pray along with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I admit my sin to you. I admit that I am guilty before you of sin. And Father God, I want to ask for your forgiveness. Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross for me. I believe that on the cross, you took the punishment of my sin. And so Lord, I ask you, forgive me of my sin. God, come into my life. Make me new. Jesus, I confess you as Lord and Saviour. I want to spend the rest of my life following after you. In Jesus' name. Amen. And I also want to just take this moment just to pray for all of us that as we think about what Jesus has done, as we remember the fact that Jesus sought a solitary place of prayer, as we remember that Jesus was strengthened and encouraged in prayer, that each of us would be encouraged in our prayer life too. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray, Lord God. Lord, we thank you for this time together. And Lord, I pray that you would give each of us a desire to be with you. Lord, let us not miss out on the great opportunity in front of us, which is, as so many of the distractions around us are removed, to draw closer to you. And so we pray, Lord God, would you strengthen us, would you encourage us? 
Father God, would you build in us a fresh desire to pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.